and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 429. What in the world are we talking about tonight? It's an end of an era, or an error, depending on one's perspective, I suppose. We are, God help us, we are doing one last big helping of Grant Morrison, uh, issues 10, 11, and 12 of the Green Lantern. Which will be interesting because not just because what's in here, but how we're gonna view look back at this probably in like maybe like five months, depending on where the Jeffrey Thorne stuff goes. So we're talking three issues of Morrison tonight? Yes, three issues of Morrison. All right. Well, I'm gonna drink. <laughs> Chad will come back in an hour since he's not doing any issue reviews tonight. That's right. If you don't really have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm not going to sully my uh, a recap with uh with uh, my own interspersed commentary as we go. So yeah, you guys have fun with that. Uh, I'm just <laughs> I'm yeah I I'm just here to 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 skate along. <laughs> now, now I did I did give Chad the option of sitting this one out. So I I I don't know if he has a few like zingers he really wants to get in in this episode or he or it's more like his mandatory attendance where he feels like, oh, I have to show up because it's the end of a run. I got to be here. <laughs> mandatory attendance. Chad faked going to the hospital to get out <laughs> reviewing some of this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I faked it. I got the scar, the fake scars and everything. We've hey, never seen those scars. <laughs> that is that is dedication to the bit. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess it's 10, 11, and 12 then, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, who's up first? Me. I mean, if we want to go in chronological order, I guess. But you know. <laughs> Even though going out of order might make you make more sense. <laughs> it's Morrison. There might be like a, a preferred order that's out of order for him. It's like a flip, a reverse flip book, maybe. You start at the end and work your way back to the front. <laughs> You know, I'm kind of surprised he didn't do that. I mean, maybe he did because I this is number 10 is the first issue of this book I've read since number two. So maybe he did some weird time thing in there or some like, you know, you're supposed to read these pages in order like two, six, one, seven, like whatever. I don't know. Whatever. This is, I think I think this is kind of a more straightforward and restrained Morrison, at least in issue 10. So the Green Lantern, number 10, season two. Grant Morrison did the writing. Liam Sharp did basically everything else except the lettering, which was done by Steve Wands. Uh, 
The Star Sapphire and Green Lantern of Universe 11 were being hunted down by a being known as the Golden Destroyer, who's actually Zundernell, the golden giant we first met back, ironically, during the Green Lantern Season 1, number 10, when uh, Hal joined that multiversal Green Lantern Corps. Zundernell has been targeting pairs of Hal's and Carol's throughout the multiverse because he needs a combination of willpower and love for some reason. Our Hal and Carol pulled, uh, uh, they got pulled into it because Universe 11 Carol thought she could confuse Zundernell by taking two pairs of Hal's and Carol's and shuffling them up, but it didn't really work that well, and it only bought them a little time. Also, Zundernell means sound the death knell in overspeak, which is neat to know. Uh, The whole issue is one big crazy fight full of universes phasing into each other and then the return of the multiversal Green Lantern Corps, meaning we get to see Darkest Night Batman and Hippie Lantern and just imagine Stan Lee's Lantern again, which is nice. Uh, Eventually, Zundernell decides to just blow himself up. So our Hal uses his ring to shrink Zundernell, question mark, so, uh, so tiny that when he does explode, it can't hurt anyone. Uh, there's also the resolution to an outer space court case where Trilla True pr- uh, proves that Hyperman was <laughs> was intentionally taking crystal meth and murdering people, which destroyed the credibility of a celebrity superhero family and ruined a cosmic space arranged marriage that I don't think really means anything. I only even mentioned this at all. <laughs> because there's this one really great moment where Hal acknowledges that Trilla True actually has a life outside of him and his adventures. And she's like, yeah, of course I do. Not everybody's life revolves around you, you know. <laughs> and then in a moment that seems wildly out of character for everyone, Hal asks Carol to leave Earth with him so they can find paradise out in the universe somewhere and then have kids. And Carol's the one who refuses. And and let's stay on the topic of Carol for a second, because Morrison either doesn't know or doesn't care what the Star Sapphire currently is. Our main universe, Carol, talks very plainly about how the Star Sapphire is a separate being using Carol as a host. And it took her hours to regain control of herself and return to normal. Plus, we see the Star Sapphire. We see both Star Sapphires actually use their powers all over the issue, and there's no sign of rings on fingers. So we're back to the days of Star Sapphire having more in common with a werewolf transformation than a lantern. And on top of that, this issue makes the Star Sapphires look pretty bad. Uh, The Universe 11 Green Lantern is it's initially framed as being an example of shitty toxic masculinity, but then both of the Sapphires are shown to emotionally manipulate men to get what they want. It reeks of the same kind of childish stance a South Park episode would take, where both sides are actually a little bit wrong, you know, which just serves to undermine the point the story was trying to make about either one. And that kind of sucks because I think Morrison's instinct was right. You know, Universe 11 being a world world run by women makes it a good opportunity to examine things like toxic masculinity and incels. But this book is too broad to do that justice. Morrison's Green Lantern reads like it's a bombastic stage play. You know, everything's heightened to the point that you can't really take any of it seriously. So any genuinely interesting ideas just kind of fall flat because it seems like Morrison is making fun of them rather than exploring them. Do you want to interject? Because I could keep going. (laughs) (laughs) That was nicely done, Dan. That was nice. 
Yeah, it, it is interesting, the stuff about the Star Sapphires, because I think when I first read this issue, before I had to reread it, I just I assumed that stuff about the host was coming from the other Star Sapphire. So that's so I thought it might have been related to the Predator. Maybe she was, had the Predator inside her, but it definitely is coming from our Carol because she interrupts the conversation between Hal and the uh, the other Carol. I I have I don't know. There's a lot of things Morris, lots of things Morrison seems to take take some liberties with. Probably probably the highlight of this issue besides Hal being Hal, uh, which is one of the things as we look at these last three issues of this book, regardless of your take on the overall Morrison run and whether you really think. How much of you know classic Hal is in this book that at least you you do get an un, at least an understanding that Morrison does have a respect for Hal's uniqueness at least, <laughs> and that's and that's and that's nice especially considering what we're what we're probably rolling into in in, in, in the next series. But uh, Trilla True there is is the highlight of this. <laughs> she's definitely I think like the highlight of the last, of the last few issues of this book. <laughs> Yeah, she's cool, and she's like, like I kind of, I want like a one shot where we just follow her around because it seems like she's having fun and she's not bogged down by any of this weird stuff. <laughs> and let's, yeah, let's see if we even see her in the uh, in the post Morrison universe. But I, I mean, I, the the second to last page of this entire run just kind of gathers all of the Morrison Alien Green Lanterns together for one last time. So maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably it's probably not probably not. Uh, an egg that anyone else is going to want to crack anytime soon. But yes, I'd, I certainly would have no problem with her showing up in, uh, in the thorn book. I'd consider some of the other characters that I, I'm less than 100% sold on that are going to be in seemingly be the focus of that book. I mean, at least throw, throwing in Trilla true would make me feel a little, a little better. You know, I was surprised by this issue because it's, it's, it was surprisingly straightforward compared to most of the Morrison run. Like the only thing confusing about it is that we didn't have the context for what was, I mean, it sounds worse than I mean it, but like we didn't understand the context for what was going on. Thus it was confusing, but we only didn't understand that because the characters wouldn't just talk to each other. Like, Usually with Morrison's work, it's like, oh, he made some weird choice about the nature of this world. Therefore, it's confusing or hard to read. This time it was straightforward. The ca- like the the one character that knew what was happening was just withholding the information for no reason. And that's like that's a trope that's in everything like Universe 11. Carol knows everything and it would have taken one panel for her to c- explain it and get everyone on board with the plan. But it takes forever to get to that point. And when they do talk to each other, they're either talking about things that don't really matter or they're talking about how they don't have time to talk. And it's frustrating because that's kind of the whole point, right? Morrison wants this book to be this frantic, frenetic roller coaster ride that that shows off all the wacky sci-fi stuff superheroes can be. And and just having everybody get on the same page would to take away from that. And the downside to that is that once we realize how simple the plot, the plot and the plan is, it only makes you realize that the confusion was both intentional and unnecessary because it could have just been a simple story. But there is no simple story with Grant Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's there's two big moments that we we should talk about. The first, and I can't decide if I love this one or hate or I uh, hate it, is when the four of them need to disrupt Zundernell's vibrational frequency. They make a giant pair of symbols and clang them around his head like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of 
it's kind of funny and how stupid it is, but it reminds you loud and clear that there is absolutely no tension in this story. <laughs> that that is that that is true. And all of Zundernail's little creations were kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, but like the the other thing, and it should go without saying, Liam Sharp, Liam Sharp on this series, both seasons of it, has been knocking it out of the park. He's been great. These last few issues, though. It's like he's going all in. He's like, I'm never going to draw a Green Lantern book again. I'm gonna just going to do everything that I want to do. And, like, the amount of love and and care he's putting into these pages is just this. I think this is his best work on this series. Like, these, these issues we're talking about tonight. And the page I want to look specifically at is page 12. The uh, Once the, uh, the universes start to bleed together... And we see this splash page of just all this weird stuff. Like, like it looks like Dark Side wearing a fistful of lantern rings. You got a a a, uh, a manhunter back behind him. There's like this kind of ghastly image of Guy Gardner with a starro on his face. There's like like dinosaurs and monsters coming out there. There's a power ring with like some sort of lizard man face for for a for a emblem. It's it's just like such a, a crazy like this. It's the most album art thing I've seen in a long time, and it, that's gr- a great thing. Yeah, it is that 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 page is and par- parallax on the left. It looks like is there parallax? I think that's supposed to be parallax to the left. Oh, the green, the uh, yeah, the, the green, the, yeah, the green, yeah, to the left of dark side's head. Uh, I think yeah. yeah, that was that's supposed to be parallax. I think. At- and I couldn't tell if, like, the dude in the bottom with the shield and sword, if that's foreshadowing or if that's supposed to be somebody we know. Because it looks like he has, like, a laser eye. He's got, like, a cable eye or, or something. Yeah, I couldn't get that one either. Cause I don't, it, looks like, it looks like Richard Nixon with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think that's what he was going for. <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, I, it's, it's, it was just a weird experience. Because, like, I, was, I put this off. I put off reading these books because past experience exists and I was kind of dreading it. And I was really surprised to walk away from this issue feeling like, okay, the, the worst thing about it is the, the same trope you find in every story ever, instead of being a like more specific complaint. I wonder if that's because, it's because he knows he's he's getting to the end here and needs to what am I trying to say? Like I wonder if if Grant Morrison reaching the end of this run is making this is is like just granting this realization that okay, I need to make sure people know what the end is. Cause we'll get to it. There's something that there's a choice that is made later that is 100% different from everything else that has been done in this book and I wish it was done sooner but we'll get there. Yeah, I think I know. I'm I'm assuming I know exactly what you're talking about in the final in the final issue because it yeah. It does it does stand out because there because pre- previously we would be le- it, it's not quite as bad as the you know the we the reverse the writing in the in the in the, in the accordion dimension. Wait, where you basically you just gotta read backwards or hold your friggin' book up into the mirror to know exactly what what's being said. It it was similar to that that experience with with the language, but they make it. But yes, we'll get to that. But yes, they, they absolutely want to make. There's a one way or the other, whether he wanted to do it or whether DC wanted him to do it to make sure that hey, 
this final issue, we got to at least make sure people understand what's really going on and what's being said a little bit more to wrap this up into yes. a nice, neat bow. Oh, also, uh, it's it's only slightly in this issue, but more way more so in the next two. Uh, I love the fact that the ring is more or less a character. Like after they did that whole, you know, I'm going to go into my power ring and it's it's anthropomorphized as a person. Like I the thing I wanted to see the most out of come out of that was change Hal's relationship with his ring. And now like like on the page where he's like he was going to to try and shrink Zundernell. He's like, ring, we can do this right. And the ring's like eh, power level 43 percent. Sure. <laughs> We can do anything. <laughs> you told me that, yeah. Like, I like the ability of I like the ability to have like like brief conversations with a power ring. Like one, like one of the coolest ideas that came out of um, I I think it was the Green Lanterns Simon and Jessica was. book was the idea that like you know most Green Lanterns talk to their rings like they're just access they're they're just using it as space google they're like hey ring do this ring what's that she talks to it like it's a person and it's an advanced alien a a computer so it it adapts and it learns mannerisms and like kind of tailors itself to you so it's like like that's such like a cool idea that i can't believe nobody like ran with before i think the only other time i saw it was back way back in like emerald dawn i think emerald dawn one or two where like hal at hal asked some question and the ring i don't even remember what it said but it gave some like snarky answer and that then never did it again and it's like wait what what happened there so anytime that shows up i'm happy to have it yeah that was definitely something that should have happened i agree with you a long time ago i never quite on because i and i mentioned this before i think when i when i did my first Green Lantern script that I I I it's I, that's something that was big in my script the conversation the the relationship between Hal and the Ring, which then eventually was one of the the not, not not so subtle reasons why at the end when he got toward to Emerald Twilight pretty much why how is Hal was able to do things he shouldn't have been able to do without the Ring just stopping and turning off for the Guardians pulling the kill switch because of the unique relationship between Hal the Ring and Hal's superior willpower, uh, but yeah it doesn't make any sense why they why it first happened with Jessica, but um, this makes a little more sense because clearly at the end of the green lanterns, we know that run, we know they were redoing the power battery and they were re- redoing the AI. So yeah. at least you have an opening now for why this could be more common, but it seemed like it always should have been that a relationship between the where the bearer and it's, and it's ring. It seemed like a natural thing to explore. But I mean, I th- I'm pretty sure the issue you're about to talk about clearly shows us that a ring can take a vacation day of it once to. <laughs> so, so, so um, the bar has been set. I expect it to be met or surpassed. <laughs> the rings in the payroll too, buddy. <laughs> All right, Chad, you got anything to say? I mean, some great art moments. I think I'm going to be saying that with most every issue. I, I've said it before uh, multiple times. At this point, I'm just treating this series, season one, season two, the Dark Star stuff in between, all that stuff, the annuals. I'm just treating it like an art book at this point. I'll probably even get the trades and hardcovers or whatever to put on my shelf, but I won't be picking it up to read it. I'll be picking it up to look at the art. 
Um, it's just a good GL themed art book for me. Uh, the only other thing I would ask was actually one of the final moments. I thought it was interesting that Carol says that the other Carol, her surname was Jordan and the other Hal, his surname was Ferris, which makes me wonder like, are they making a point here that Hal really enjoyed that other Carol? Because maybe that the way that they're saying that she's supposed to be him and Carol hated that other Carol because, uh, or that other Hal, because she, uh, he in a way is supposed to represent her uh, or at the very least the early silver age versions of them um, in some way. And maybe that's why Carol, you know, in addition to all the stuff she says that she can't do in terms of she's got a business, she can't leave all that stuff is, is she also kind of seeing that and, and, and thinking maybe there's some other stuff within herself to work on. I think I, I could be reading way too much into that, but I mean, otherwise why, why make a point of saying what the uh, alternate versions of them surname was? I don't know. I think all of this hits better. If you think of them as two people who have actually been doing this constantly since the 1960s, because then like, it starts you start to kind of feel the weight on it puts on them like oh this is why that like that is a Hal Jordan who I could understand would want to settle down maybe but still on his own terms and this would still be a Carol who who would like to but doesn't feel like she's accomplished enough yet so she won't but other like I'm I don't know I'm not sure how any of this gels with with what's been established before about earth 11. Like I've, I don't know, like is, you know, like there's a wonder man on earth 11. Is that supposed to be straight up, you know, male version of Diana Prince? I have no idea. I find it. I found it interesting about the, how talking about how they, you know, we're meant to be be together in the end or at the end. And it's Carol. So, well, maybe that's probably true, but we're not, we're not at the end yet. (laughs) It's like, Oh, that's real nice. <laughs> it's just, it just seems like, you know, it makes, makes you wonder if they, if they are ever together. Let's say there actually is a time frame. We know comics just go on and on and on. But even if they knew there was going to be a time frame where, what, what the end might be, literally might be like five minutes right? Hal and Carol are finally together. So it's just, it was just weird. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention is, if anything, this, this, uh, this issue just kind of serves to uh, drive home with a point that I've made in the past, which is, uh, you know, when you talk about heavy hitters and in terms of uh, couples in the DC universe, I would never put uh, Hal and Carol in my A-list, maybe not even my A-list. Oh, oh God, no. <laughs> because like of, of things just like this, they're, they're constantly either sniping at each other and then like have a moment of romance and kiss. And then I uh, you know we're going our separate, we're separate ways. It's just like the, the DCU has never done anything to convince me uh, that Hal and Carol actually belong together. It just seems like they were in the same book for a long time. And uh, that's why they belong together, but they've never really given me a reason to care about Hal and Carol as a couple. I mean, hell she married somebody else before the John's run. I don't, remember who but i think it was just some normal guy and she had a life and it was cool <laughs> yep I, then I, she yeah. screwed kyle <laughs> yeah, her relationship with kyle was almost more compelling than 
than her stuff with uh with Hal. Well, that was at least there was some there was something to chew on there because she flat out admitted, like, I don't actually love you. I was just trying to make myself love somebody because I'm terrified of losing this ring if I don't love somebody. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it was it real? No. But at least it, there was something to like you said, something to chew on, something to think about, something to to kind of explore. I mean, this. There's just nothing to explore with, with Hal and Hal and Carol and, and 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 maybe maybe there is and maybe somebody will will write that arc someday but maybe we'll uh, be too blind to see it because we want more action in our Green Lantern comics I don't know. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, so I guess let's move on to issues eleven and twelve then. Unfortunately, uh, so issue eleven, issue eleven and twelve. Two-part story, pretty much. I like the Contest of Crowns, which makes me think of Game of Thrones, not just because of the name, but because of what's going on here on this on Alf Athmora, which we've been to before. It's kind of like the the vacation planet of choice of Hal Jordan, and there's, and there's a backstory, which I forget if they told us the backstory in, previ- in the previous visit here, but we'll get to that shortly about what makes Athmora uh, unique. But basically, we have the brewing of a war on Athmora with Dratha the Disfigured. These names drive you up the wall. And characters we have met before, like uh, Samandra and Feck and I think Vespero, which were Hal's allies before. But basically, there's a there's a war brewing on this planet. But that's just just wetting your appetite. Our first real thing of our scene with Hal is on Zudar, where Trilla True, of course, the our, Dan and I, our favorite character, <laughs> where she's uh, basically she's being put in kind of custody of these of the of the bird creatures that Hal inadvertently adopted earlier in the season uncle hal uncle hal and um basically she's going to be she's going to be uh taking care of them and letting letting them uh grow and learn about things on zudar as the new guardian of them hal is seemingly moving past that responsibility but i do like when hal flies off and they go like uncle hal is the greatest and trilla true's like yep they do say that Then Hal ends up on Oa, where we get an intre- where we get a really interesting um, <clears throat> discussion with with Guardian Saul, who I'll come back to this in a moment. But we get Raimi, but we haven't seen Raimi since the uh, Cool Spectre issue, when Raimi was the Guardian that was badly hurt, but uh, Hal was able to re- save him by recharging his ring with with the uh, Cosmic Grail, and we get information about how the, the young Guardians, you know, they even though uh, they really don't. Have, they were made to live, but they're also made to die very quickly. So even though they've only been around for a short period of time, their time is pretty much up and they don't really, you know, they just don't understand basically a lot about, about the world. And they're just kind of hoping that the information that they, uh, you know, they were made to make, to be different. And we're just kind of hoping that they, what they learn will be invaluable to the next generation. So they're still going to be able to help incoming generations of guardians. But in the meantime, we find out that pretty much, um, we we get a flashback on the and the Nomad Empire related to the to the Golden Giants. You know, obviously Zundernell was a Golden Giant, but um, we kind of get a whole introduction to how they move from planet to planet, pretty much, and they you know they leave cryptic traces as they pl- as they plunder. So they're kind of like Galactus in a way. They kind of like go to a planet, you know, you use it all up, move move on, and Saul keep you know Sal excuse me gives explains about you know the uh, one of the primary sources, you know, in, in myth was was the Golden Lamp and Ultra War, the first strike weapon of the Nomad Empire and pits everybody against everything. And that's one that's that's their main weapons. And at the end of the day, Hal pretty much gets instructed by 
by the guardian, the young guardians there who are growing older as as we speak. That uh, if I got that right, they're pretty much they don't believe anything. They don't like anything about how Jordan in the way he operates, but he. <laughs> But they know how Jordan is the right candidate to do what needs to be done. So they're, they're, they're sending him to deal with uh, the Nomad Empire, the Golden Giants. And in, he says but one of the more interesting things is that he talked about. That they're in the process of restructuring the Green Lantern Corps. There's going to be less reliance on the central power battery and rings. How, you know, Hal's reckless self-determination was problematic. And at the end, you know, in, in this endeavor, there are p- other potential candidates better suited for the task as far as what's going to happen in the future and we get a little we get a little not so subtle reference because we see the pictures of joe and what ty fam and teen lantern so obviously these characters are supposed to be the future of the green lantern corps or more embodying the embodying and the embodiments of what they're hoping green, green lanterns are going to be so after after how gets this this assignment he pretty much uh goes hey you know uh yeah, I, I I get the picture, but right now I'm take I'm t- I have leave and I'm taking it. And he's like, the guardians are like, well, we accept this, but ideally you'll surrender you would surrender your power ring before going on leave. And how it goes? Well, you changed the rules. It's like r- pa- powering AIs can make their own ind- independent decisions now, right? So so he asked his ring, and his ring goes, I have leave too. And of course, uh, you know Hal Hal and the ring end up back on Athmora because that's where Hal likes to go, but because of the because of Athmora and the way it operates, as we find out because of what the intelligence engine, I think that's what it is in the next issue that the power rings act wonky on this planet. They, they don't quite follow the, the bearer and it's really unpredictable how it's going to respond and, and the effectiveness of the ring, how kind of bumps how when he arrives back on Athmora bumps, bumps into Vespero really cool splash page about the, the, the sailors on a sea of flame. And pretty much, you know, we find out that this whole world is going to hell. You know, it's like the ultra war is coming to this planet. And we see the you know, technodactyls, which which we've seen before. All this stuff leads to the big splash, you know, the, the big splash page here where, you, where you, you're spying. Before you get to that, you're spying from a distance and you see some versions of all Hal's are like arch enemies, major disaster, black hand, shark. But. The big reveal is, of course, we see we see the broken cosmic grail and we see a, a really weird like reindeer esque Hector Hammond. He's the one pulling the strings on this planet now. And it's like uh, he tells how your power ring is mine, slave to the broken lamp. It follows my will now. So come get me if you dare. And of course, Hal being Hal goes Hector Hammond. Challenge accepted. So then that, that ends 11. Should we just move on to 12? Or do you want to talk about 11? I'm giving you the options. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it depends. Damn. What do you have a lot to say about Eleven? Not really. We could just do it all together. Okay. All right. Cool. So, so let's let's roll. Let's roll into twelve. Um, we pick up on which is an interesting dial. You know, thought balloon because it's Hector Hammond. How he's speaking to, taunting Hal about now. Now I sit here on my throne on a distant planet, king of all your castles. Now I command unreal armies in the service of a cosmic power on high, which is referring to the nomad empire. You know, now I'm the special one. I get to do what few mortals dare to even imagine. I get to kill a superhero. Admit it. Wouldn't you want to kill a superhero? Wouldn't you be angry too? And we kind of get back to the whole Hal stealing Carol from Hector Hammond and Hector Hammond becoming a monster because of Hal. This issue is called the intelligence engine. Uh, Morrison, Liam Sharp, 
Steve, Steve Wands, Liam Sharp did the cover too, variant cover, which I got one. Jimenez with Jesse Ladrone, Marquise Draper, edit, assistant editor, and Andrew Marino, editor. So this is somewhat, I'm going to try to cut to the chase on this because there, there's stuff going on here, but I don't know how much of it is truly, really important. We have Dratha, who I mentioned the last issue, who's kind of like trying to take take over Athmora and, and destroy everything. Hal being really Hal, you know, cocky Hal, like he's pretty much telling him, hey, you got one chance to join us and, and turn, you know, turn against the invaders. I said, you should take it. Of course, of course, he doesn't. So Hal's allies, Vespero, Feck and Samandra, they kind of rally <clears throat> and help and they fight along Hal. This is where it gets in weird, too, because basically the uh, gold, the golden giants, the nomad empire are really good at controlling like um, metal and, and plastic, but not. So these are like almost all toys. These are like toy versions of Hal's greatest enemies, which we've seen before with the, you know, with the baby that the king, the queen, the queen that basically that it's like they're just a whole bunch of you know plastic toys being, you know, armies made of plastic toys. Hal's allies one by one get for, they, they kind of get changed. And as the battle goes on, they kind of get they eventually eventually they eventually get wiped out. But Hal, you know, Hal's talk. But the under, the interesting thing here is about the intelligence engine, which is what keeps this planet stunted. Why it doesn't ever evolve? It's stuck in this medieval time period. And this was done during actually it was done by Abin Sir under Abin Sir and, and the Guardian's approval. That in order to uh, neutralize the effects of an alien attack on Athamora, they basically uh, the intelligence engine was activated to, and that was the way they prevented the planet from being destroyed and overrun. But it also basically prevents this planet from ever moving forward we get to as Hal's out al- you know Hal's allies get wiped out and you get more of a confrontation between Hal and not just Hector Hammond even though he kind of points out that uh because Hector Hammond keeps claiming that he has control over Hal's ring and he can do what he wants and Hal points out hey you know you know Othmoral 101 it's like up close to the intelligence engine the ring gets cranky and I know because we've been working together for a long time she doesn't do what you want her to do and Hector Hammond doesn't you know, doesn't accept this. It's like the Golden Ones make the rules now. Blah 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 blah. At the at the end of the day here, uh, like long live the king, which is really what Queen means. Uh, the Q U I N G was really that you know the the Nomad Empire Golden Destroyer way of saying king. That we find out here that their their Parasaurus used to be essentially the Cosmic Grail, and the Cosmic Grail Cosmic Grail was broken during their uh, their conflicts in the past and is only and the only way it can really be healed at least was with the use of the combination of love and willpower and how makes the deal with you know with, with the with the golden destroyers that he will repair the cosmic grail giving them unlimited power but they basically have to get the hell out of dodge and they just have to just stop doing what they're doing destroying planets and everything else and the only way to really do this the ring tells him his ring tells him is pretty much we can't do it while the intelligence engine is running. So he goes, okay, we're going to power down the intelligence engine. And that's, and that's, that's what he does. How, and the thing that Stan was referring to that we get in this issue that was not present in any of the other uh, Morrison issues that we actually get translations of what the golden giants are saying, instead of this really weird written language that you can try to sound out and figure out maybe what they're saying. We actually get translations of everything they say in 
in this issue. So that that's that's the difference. And so Hal pretty much uses a he's he says the green the Green Lantern oath. And, you know, he, he, you know, he's like, just like cranking up an old engine and repeat after me, children. And, you know, you kind of he just says it throughout the universe and everything. And cell versus cell, ultra war, all the things, all the things that we're fighting each other start to heal. Hal is able to put the cosmic grail back together again. So the golden giants take, you know, uh, they take they take the cosmic grail. They leave. They, they, they kept their word. Hal ends up back on Oa and the Guardians pretty much say that they were wrong, that they thought, you know, we never thought basically that we didn't understand your methods until now. And they actually offer Hal a promotion. We don't get to know what that promotion was, what the offer was. We just know that Hal being Hal decides not to take it. Hal makes a comment towards the end, like, you know, my ring's running on grail energy and I have plans to hitch a ride on some passing comet, see where it takes me. He's talking to Guardian Sal at this point. And it's like, well, I'm taking you to the voices of your fellow Green Lanterns who you inspire. You inspire them and they want they wish to honor you because they hope that they could maybe one day surpass you. And you see all all the Green Lanterns, including Trilla True, that Hal's worked with in the series. And of course, Hal isn't there anymore because by that point, Hal's already hightailing it out into space to see what's left for him and to explore new adventures. And that ends the Morrison run. Yeah, he did it. They all did it. <laughs> we did it. We made it through. Chad yeah. almost did it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'll just get my stuff out of the way first because I think <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you guys because I know I know Mark, you said you enjoyed specific issues over the others. Dan, I know you always try to find wherever positive, wherever you can. So I'll just say what I what I have to say so we can maybe end on relatively positive notes. The this whole thing, man, reading these these three issues back to back or recapping them back to back here just serves to drive my point home. Like this thing doesn't make any sense. We read these back to back and it really didn't feel like we were reading one cohesive story. Maybe 11 and 12 with the Afmora stuff. I don't know. But like 10 and 11, there's there's really there's 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 nothing between these two things. There's nothing that connects them are you even reading these in a trade you're going to be like what in the holy hell happened between a b c and d like it doesn't feel cohesive um and that's always been what bothers me is you feel lost when you read the issue itself and then when you just just when you feel like you got the handle on what that issue you just read meant or what it was trying to convey or who the characters were everything changes in the next issue and that doesn't do anything but confuse everybody and piss everybody off and i'm sorry that's not what i'm here for um the art again the art is the standout in all of this for me and always has been but i'm i'm not here to uh uh you know i i don't i wouldn't unless we were doing the show i wouldn't be buying a book solely for the art um I'd probably trade weight on this if we weren't doing the show. I don't really feel like I understand this uh, this series in any way, shape, or form. Honestly, I think my favorite issue of the entire run was probably the annual with Airwave. That felt like more of a straight-up comic book than anything else. Um, I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, but that's that's how I felt. I really like the annual because it was, it was literally down-to-earth, both in terms of like how... Morrison-esque it was and also it was literally Hal on Earth and it gave us something that we always want to see it's it's hey let's bring these superheroes back down and have them interact with their families 
Yeah, 100 percent. Uh, don't get me wrong, this stuff, especially this last issue, there's a lot of really cool moments, the Guardian stuff. But then the Guardian stuff just sort of pisses me off a little bit more because the Guardians are going to like, we're going to throw a whole wrench in the works, basically, and change up the core and do this, this and this. We were we're going to have you step down and be the last of your your kind or, or whatever. And uh, only to turn basically turn around and go, oh, wow, you did a good job. Uh, I guess guess uh, you're just going to continue doing what you do. And it's what the hell was the point of telling him we're going to screw everything up and, uh, and have him retire or whatever. Like what's, I, I don't know the, the, I don't really have any cohesive thoughts to give on this. And I don't really think this series, it's going to, it's going to sound bad, but uh, this series isn't worth my thought in terms of like sitting here and trying to figure it out issue after issue, um, to try and search and find something about it I like other than the art that Liam Sharp does uh, so majestically issue after issue. Um, I think I think I just have to, in the same way that I just, I, I'm sorry, I just don't like Tom Rainey's art, um, who will be doing the, um, the Green Lantern uh, series uh, with Jeffrey Thorne moving forward after, I think, issue two when Dexter, Dexter Soy, that'll be Dexter Soy's last issue. Um, I just, there's nothing wrong with Tom Rainey's art in terms of his, uh, artistic ability. It's not like there's specific panels that suck. It's just like artistically, his style is something that doesn't appeal to me. I think at this point, I just have to say Grant Morrison, his writing style is a style that does not appeal to me because it seems fairly consistent, uh, to me that. I just don't like what he's doing. So that can't be a problem with uh, technique or anything other than the fact that I just don't like the way he goes about his process and it doesn't appeal to my eye and to my imagination. I, I think, I think that at the very least you can come away from, from this realizing that at least I get the impression that at least he sees value in how Jordan and the uniqueness in how Jordan were, based on things he had said in the past that he pr- didn't seem to have value in Hal Jordan. I, so he seems to be more of a convert and at least even if it's, well, this is the only way I can, t- I, the only kind of story, you know, the only kind of way I could tell it in which I would see value in Hal Jordan. Maybe, maybe it's that, but, I, but you get the impression that at least he, he writes at least, especially in the last two issues, he writes Hal as this, as this character who at the end of the day, knows he's going to win no matter what he knows he's going to win he doesn't really matter even if he doesn't have it completely thought out how he's going to do it yet he knows he's going to win and he'll find a way to win because and even people who doubt who doubt him and continue to doubt him including whether it's hector hammond whether it's the the guardians they really at the end of the day they realize the value and how jordan you know and you know wolverine asking that he's the best you know, he's the best of what, you know, he does that you may not understand what, what, why he does what he does or how he's able to do it. But at the end of the day, there's he ser- he he serves a purpose. Contrasting that changing the nature of the co- of maybe what the Green Lantern Corps is supposed to be dependent on seems in a way maybe just a gimmick just because you want to focus in on all these other characters that are not as related or tied to the traditional way of powering yourself. It seems a little self-serving a lot. Some of some of this stuff in the in the last two issues, eleven and twelve, 
were clearly paving the way for transition to the thorn to the thorn series, which I guess I appreciate on one level only because we had always suspected that when they ended this book, that it wasn't going to have any ties at all. It pretty much people were, it was going to have, it was going to end and whoever picked up the book was going to best case scenario, pick up, pick up on some loose threads of connected tissue, but not really have it roll into the next. So at least they have been making a concerted effort they have Hal flying off. So they're justifying in a way why Hal's not around. We kind of also get that in the uh, infinite frontier description of Hal going on an assignment. Now we, of course, time frame wise, I you don't necessarily know when maybe this was that assignment and the house now going off afterwards. I don't know. I thought that I thought issues. I liked issues 11 and 12. I probably like with all maybe six or seven issues of the two years plus run on this. The Spectre issue is still probably my favorite this season. I don't I really haven't. I mean, I've always said he, I like his art, but I've never really commented on the Liam Sharp art as much. I do think issues 11 and 12 were probably the best art that he did in the entire series. And hey, if you can make a if you can make a Guardian of the Universe hot, and he does, that's a, that's a, that's a unique talent. But but just but the artwork in 12 was really powerful. There was a lot of stuff I liked in 12, a lot of the splash pages and and just the character interactions. Even even though Hector Hammond was weird, it was just the way he drew him. I I, I so I he definitely he definitely was the standout and when and Morrison was dialed down a little bit, certainly in issues 11 and 12. And I think that always makes it more enjoyable to read. And even though this book was not anything I'd, I'd, I, this is not as bad as I thought the series would be. It's certainly not as good as I wished it would be, but I'm still not, but I'm still going to say there might be a chance three or four months down the road. I go back and it's like, well, considering what we're getting now, I might might opt for the Morrison book. I'm not saying I am, or I definitely will, but I'm objective enough to say there might be a chance, depending on where the Thorn book takes us in the direction of those stories that I'd rather have a, I'd rather have a, a frustrating Hal Jordan book than a, than wherever the hell we're going to go. And the thing that I'm surprised the most by is how over the course of the entire Morrison run, I keep, I can't stay on stable ground in terms of, whether or not this series is supposed to, I don't know, count. Because when it first started, I thought, oh, he's doing all this different weird stuff. Obviously, this whole run is in its own its own retro world or something. Then as it went on further, it became clearer that, oh, okay, well, this is, this is supposed to be like the regular DC universe. This is regular Hal Jordan. Okay, so this does count. And now we get to the end of this run, and Morrison is going out of out of their way to just kind of remove all of the new things that were introduced, like the the the, the I forget the name of the planet the 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 medieval planet that Hal goes to and the entire cast there gone the like the whole con like I forget what I was gonna say now damn it it'll come back to you yeah but like like it seems like everything oh yeah the the young guardians they just kind of drop it on us an issue and a half before the end. Like, Oh, by the way, uh, we were only ever going to live for a short time and we're getting ready to die now. Goodbye. (laughs) And so it seems like we might just get the status quo back anyway. So at that point it's like, okay, well did this book, I don't want to say matter, but like, is, 
is continuity going to remember this book? Is Trilla True going to show up and we're going to be like, oh, there she is. We that that stuff did happen. Or is this all going to be like some like kind of a weird enough diversion that if you don't want to reference it, you don't have to except maybe maybe the maybe Ganthet's wearing a weird new shirt next time we see him. Also, Ganthet does have a weird new shirt in uh, Infinite Frontier. It's kind of weird. Um, and it might be a shroud, too, the next time we see him. <laughs> but, like, the like the the last two issues, it feels... It's weird because this run has lasted, like, two and a half years or so, once you, can, once you take into account, you know, COVID delays, plus the Dark Stars, plus... Or uh, Black Stars, and the annual. Uh, and the conclusion f- over these last two issues felt really fast and easy for the convoluted path we took to get here. And a part of me really does like the idea that like, okay, Morrison created a situation in which Hal Jordan saying the Green Lantern oath saved the day. And I do kind of like the idea of that. And like, I, I okay, I'll buy into it. The whole, like these characters that you we've been seeing along the way do speak in like, in like a very like, like lyrical, like rhyming fashion, so like that would key into what you need to do. Like, okay, I I I buy it. It's it's cute. It's a cute decision. Good on you. But like, I don't know. It just it feels like the end of this series is so much less obscure and hard to understand than the entire rest of the series that it almost doesn't feel like a fitting conclusion to it. Like I was hoping. I would hope that something like this at the end would be almost the aha moment that makes everything click into place. And maybe that's what will happen upon a reread. The only problem is like, I, (laughs) I remember how hard it was to read the first time through. So I'm, I can't see myself going through this again very soon. I'm sure, I'm sure I will, but like that might be like a uh, late next year sort of thing at the earliest. But I am I honestly I'm curious to see like like going back through knowing what I know now what what is this work what is this story what is Morrison actually trying to say with all of this because like is it is it actually a jumbled mess is it just just Grant Morrison having having the time of the uh, having a great time and screw everybody else that can't follow along? Or is there something else here that we're just not in the right mindset to get? Sure. You don't want to mention that article briefly, Chad. (laughs) I mean, it's your call, dude. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't get a chance to read it fully uh, before we recorded. Uh, I mean, I read it, I read it when we first got it, but I didn't get a chance to reread it. It's not, I mean, it's not, it's not critical. It's just only, it only was such a nice segue Dan was giving. (laughs) Well, go for it. Dan hasn't read it and I didn't get a chance to reread it. So if you feel like you can explain it, go for it. No, I have to. After I mean I haven't I'm I have not reread it in its entirety since that I just I just know the impression that it made on me that because it was just basically it was this it was this oracle that was it was it analyzed the end of the Morrison run and it was supposedly it was like making a an an analogy between Morrison leaving this book and maybe leaving DC and the way Hal was leaving uh, the Green Lantern Corps. 
and the status quo when he was flying off. The idea that almost like it was a cautionary tale about doing change for change's sake. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. There is somebody in this book warned against change for the sake of change, Chad. That is true. It actually is. It actually is in the book. It, it, I, I forgot about that. But yes, it is. It is actually in there. Yeah. Warning about just do, just the, the dangers of doing change just just for the sake of change. Look at but, me now, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but but the but the idea of almost like a cautionary tale to to the incoming creators and, and the people who are running D.C. now to be. Oh, and also about what not to do just, you know, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you can or you should just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. And just the idea of what what makes a hero, you know, kind of like remembering what makes a, a hero a hero, too. And even that line about, oh, wouldn't you wouldn't you like to be the one, you know, to be honest, wouldn't you like to kill a superhero? That that was kind of like that's the article made a comment or analysis like that maybe was Morrison pointing fingers at people who just want to come in and, you know, do, you know, other creators or, or, or editorial who just want to do that because they have the power to do so or they wanted to do so. Now they have the power to do that. I mean, I think it's really. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just trying to say that there's more to the article, but that that was that was the abridged gist of the article. I mean, I think it's really telling. It's really telling that the villain of the story is is some larger than life giant from beyond the universe who uses heroes and villains as their literal action figures that they make kill each other. Yeah. Using them as toys. And I mean, like, there's like there's so much like there's so many things like that or in the neighborhood of that throughout this series but i it feels like a lot of that stuff was tacked on in a reactionary way like even in issue 12 like when hal's starting to do the oath and he cuts to like you know like i don't even know it came up yet but like the ultra war is literally every like the sum of every conflict great and small ever happening all the time it's like like if you if you get a cold, that's the ultra war. If you commit a hate crime, that's the ultra war. Chad's rant at the beginning was the ultra war. And like there's there's one panel as Hal's charging that cuts to like like police and, and people in in like the street and there's like little like text message blurbs shouting like I hate you, Nazi, queer, turf. And it's like it's there's little there have been little things like that throughout this whole run where like oh this is Morrison commenting on current events whether it be political stuff or police violence or 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 masculinity and like all this stuff that like feels just sort of thrown in as an afterthought and I don't know if it actually was an afterthought because I don't understand enough of what he this book is and there's a distinct possibility that those two things are completely separate and what that yeah i don't understand the book but actually it still was an afterthought yeah we don't because again we also don't know if some of this stuff maybe some of this was originally in his game plan and then it was just changed or maybe none of it was but they switched gears once once basically we once we knew the whole shakeup of DC was going to take place that we don't know if it, if it affected his, his plans for this book, how, how the book was going to end or one way or the other, maybe it just made him, it just kind of uh, 
congealed everything and say, well, now I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be less subtle. <laughs> I'm just going to, but that was, it was just an intra, it was an interesting take because again, it seemed to fly as a nice contrast with the, if you're, if you're really optimistic about the infinite frontier zero issue, that it seemed like a, that the analysis was interesting by itself just because it was like a counterbalance to that. I have to read this. I, I do wonder, though, if this was, in fact, Grant Morrison's final DC work, which, you know, we'll, let's wait and see. Um, how much would Grant Morrison actually care about what comes next? And how I mean, how much of this was just Grant Morrison playing with these action figures and like just using every issue, every one of these scripts as a way to just to just exercise all of these big thoughts. That is true. Also, so is the cosmic grail, is it literally that broken battery we've been seeing since the last issue 10 of this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so as I understand it and like, I, I, I legitimately love the detail of, you know, the central battery is so big and powerful, powerful and important. It exists in all simultaneously in all universes. That's, great i love it is is what they said that the cosmic grail is one of those like like because when hal's charging we see a bunch of kind of like reflections or like shadows of the central battery throughout the multiverse and it's like different colors and shapes and stuff so it's not literally this physical object physically exists everywhere it's like there's aspects of it in every universe or something like they're each a battery, but like they're, they're the same battery while also not being like, like is the cosmic rail one of those? I don't know if I asked a real question. <laughs> uh, who knows? Uh, I, I, I don't know. That could, I mean, yeah, I don't know that's cause it could be some tie to the spectrum too, especially cause he's, he's all, since he is using love and, and will and and the emotional spectrum did play a factor subtle for morrison but but in your face considering we barely seen we barely had seen it in a while in this season so it's a kind of, it it could be i mean it could just it could be a reflection of that especially that one scene where you pretty much get the entire spectrum about how to mend the broken lamp and the pieces coming together i I'm not, not. Yeah, I think that's open to interpretation about if it's supposed to be if it has different appearances in different parts of the multiverse or whatever i feel like it's almost like the thing that they say about dark side you know like we never see the real dark side we just see like like echoes of the real dark side or like like avatars of the real dark side or whatever it seems like like all right we've got the central battery and in every universe there's like an echo of the central battery which is a real central battery but it's not the it's not like the one you know yeah and we may never I, know. <laughs> I wonder if the whole thing about will and love was just there as a uh, as a uh, you know see how Jordan knew better than the Guardians kind of thing because like yeah and it, it could have and it could have been just again tying in Hal and Carol too the uh, the the ties that they have mm-hmm. and and what makes their relationship unique even if they are probably never destined to really be happy together for any long period of time. <laughs> Yeah, but because that seemed kind of, on the surface, that seems weird too. You know, the oh, you need will, you need will and love. Yeah, yeah. Well, it also, it also, again, it presents a Hal Jordan who is emotionally mature enough 
to understand to like deeply understand the nature of a relationship just not a relationship with another person like he like this idea that Hal Jordan understands a Green Lantern's role better than anyone in the universe including the Guardians I think tracks with with uh not only Grant Morrison's version of of uh bleh, Grant Morrison's version of Hal Jordan but the most the way most people perceive Hal Jordan is like well he's the greatest Green Lantern obviously he can do he can do it you know and the Guardians were kind of taking the approach of like well Hal Jordan is dangerous we better cut and run and just like change all of this from the ground up and Hal swoops in and says no look you don't actually understand what you're talking about I got this that's a good point it's a great art book I've said I've said a lot of, of this already so to to wrap up, I said I said the annual is my favorite. That still holds true. I like some moments here and there. There are some times when Morrison isn't being quite as Morrison as he usually is. There there are degrees to which Morrison does his thing. It's just at the end of the day, I don't think continuity wise this will will hold any water. I don't think. Uh, I, I put it this way. You know what I. It's been a while since I've enjoyed Green Lantern in terms of something that's just like out and out an incredible series. Uh, I think the closest we've come is Far Sector. Um, and conceptually, Far Sector kind of scratches the Green Lantern itch for me. But it's not with a world or a character or a family of characters that I'm familiar with. You know, it's not. It's not familiar waters. It's a familiar concept, but it's not it's not familiar people and places, which still kind of throws me off my game. I, I, again, I think it's an incredible series, and I think it really, you know, kind of in, in lots of ways nails the concept of what Green Lantern is and should be. And I think most everybody here would agree with that. Uh, it's just such a good good series. But there's something to be said for a book that nails the Green Lantern concept. And then a book that nails the Green Lantern concept and features either Hal or Kyle or Guy or John or even at this point, Jessica or, you know, so on and so forth. Like the, the, the people and places that you're familiar with, the core, um, whatever the case may be. It's just, um, I don't know. Um, I really hope that the love that Jeffrey Thorne supposedly has for John Stewart yields good John Stewart stories. My concerns come when I read solicits that supposedly we're going to get another the power battery is dead story, um, which is a well I wish we'd stop going back to. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So let's just just talking about Graham Morrison and Liam Sharp. I think if Morrison, if they wanted to get a specific point across if the goal of their series was to get a point across maybe don't make it so fucking highbrow and impossible to decipher um if the goal was to have fun well done you clearly did uh, the morrison thing you you did what morrison does um and uh, i don't think anybody would begrudge us the idea that this is morrison at his that is a typical Morrison Morrison-ness or, or whatever that, that, that would be. 
I, it's just, I, I, I don't understand what the value is in confusing the reader and confusing the audience, not just within the issue itself, whether it's backwards speak or, you know, crazy lettering or, uh, whatever, uh, but even from issue to issue and not understanding, wait, last issue we left off here and now we're here. What in the hell happened? I don't, I don't understand the value in playing games with the audience like that. Um, and, and in that way, the series didn't just, you know, wasn't something that just didn't appeal to me personally. It's something that actively aggravated me. Um, which is why at this point I keep saying this is, this is an art book for me. Um, there has been Morrison work in the past that I have quite enjoyed, but this isn't it. And, uh, I will say, I, I know there are a lot of people out there who do like this for whatever reason, and I'm happy for you guys. I'm glad that you guys got some green lantern that you really enjoyed, but I haven't been having fun with this since it launched. So, uh, it's one, it's one, I think it's just one thing. It's one thing to read a book that you don't get. It's quite another to read a book that you don't get and are actively angry with. I get, I get that. I don't think I've, I don't think I've been as angry with this book as you have been, but I, I do understand the, I understand the sentiment. It's, it's not fun to be frustrated when you're, when you're reading something you're supposed to enjoy, because again, what's the incentive for the average person to keep reading it? If it's, if it is unenjoyable or you have to do your 30, 40 minutes of homework before you can you know, ahead of time or during the reading to complete, to have any idea or any realistic chance of understanding the concepts and ideas and the story being presented. So I, I do get it. I think, I think probably it's been like a, maybe if not a 50, 50 split, maybe a 60, 40 split in the favor of the really confusing Morrison to the straightforward Morrison, what, you know, what, what straightforward is to Morrison in this book. And even though I think he's always walked it back whenever he's given you too much of the, you know, Morrison dial up to 11, but it still, ha- yeah, I would say it, it still hasn't made for a fun run. I'm I'm really not going to miss this book. I think it ended real as well as it probably could have based on where we were the season, this quote unquote season, the friggin' second year on the book, but I'm still cautious based on what's coming next because I don't know if I'm going to like that any better, even though it should be more easily understandable. It doesn't mean I'm going to like it anymore or like the direction anymore. I just hope we get call in or call back, tie in, whatever that that they set up here, which is Samandra, the uh, Hal's one of Hal's friends from that planet, dying a death so epic that she spawns a multimedia franchise, including video games, movies, and comic books. And enough of our human Green Lanterns are nerds that at least one of them has to be all in on the Samandra series. <laughs> as long as Even, it's not written by Grant Morrison. <laughs> I, it could it could be like oh hey Kyle walks out in his boxers and they have like a bunch of Samandra faces all over him or something like whatever I'll take it <laughs> I mean I I feel like I I feel like I've I've mellowed out on this book over time because I was super disappointed in it at first and I just I didn't like it at all and I, it was always like the I hate this book asterisks 
the art is really good. <laughs> but like at this point, like I just kind I found like a catharsis that you guys couldn't because I just stopped reading it like i had to come back to it a bunch of times because mark kept making me do these episodes (laughs) but um i I, obviously i would have preferred to have this amazing creative team make a book that i loved but at the same time i could just sort of ignore it and read far sector instead and far sector has turned out to be one of my favorite runs of a green lantern comic ever and so so it's like, okay, I could have had two amazing Green Lantern comics running at the same time, but instead I I only had one amazing Green Lantern comic running. Like, okay, that's still a win. And I'm kind of satisfied with that. Like I I still am kind of willing to let the jury be out on this Morrison book until I do have the chance or the motivation, I should say, to go back to it at some point and reread it all with new context, with like a a broader understanding of at least the series of events. And then at that point, maybe like part of me feels like I'm, I'm like, like softball here. Like I'm giving too much credit or too much benefit of the doubt here. But like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's just stuff here that I don't have the perspective on. So I want to go back to it at some point and see what's what I'm not going to be in it in any hurry because it's not a priority and it, I don't think it really deserves to be a priority because you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to reread it to get a good experience out of it. You should have a good experience no matter what the first time through. And then if you choose to reread it because you liked it, then you, you get some kind of enhancement from that. And I don't know at the end of the day, like there's no way I can like nicely salvage the experience I did have because if I if I liked this book, I would have kept reading it on my own. I would have been excited when it came out. I would have of I would have eagerly gobbled up every new issue and then reread it to do these episodes. And instead, it was kind of just the opposite. Like I have never disliked Grant Morrison's work to the point that I would just drop something he read he uh, wrote, but I dropped a run of Green Lantern because I just couldn't get on board with it. And who knows, maybe two or three years from now, I will look back and, and realize what an idiot I am being right here and now. But as it is, yeah, it was, it was an interesting experiment that didn't really work. And that's a shame because Grant, Grant Morrison's name plus Liam Sharp's artwork artwork should have made Green Lantern huge again like maybe not like height of the john's era huge or anything but like at least make tons and tons of people who would not normally read green lantern start to read green lantern and it seems i mean i don't think it ever really did that it seems like it did fine but it was just sort of like a weird a really weird blip that happened to last for two and a half years (laughs) and i don't know now that it's over it's weird. It feels like it's been over for a while just because I haven't been catching up with it. And I have been looking forward to Infinite Frontier. We're we're only a few weeks away from Jeffrey Thorne's first issue of Green Lantern. And like, I again, I, you're right. I am the guy that tries to see the positivity more often than not. But 
I don't know. I don't think this is going to be as bad as a lot of people do. And I looked at the solicitations for the first three issues the other day. And something I just I didn't notice until then is that every issue of this book is 40 pages. It is a 599 40 page book without any mention of additional creators or backup stories, which means that you know, A, we're going to be moving, most likely moving through story arcs much faster. And B, there's going to be a lot of room for all of the characters and things that I think people are afraid that Thorne is just going to leave out. So until proven wrong, I'm going into this assuming that this is not just going to be the Jon Stewart show. We're going to be catching up like, like we know is also going to involve Kelly and Joe. But like, yeah, I I'm going into this assuming that, yeah, we're also going to be following around, you know, Simon and Jessica and Kyle and Guy and whoever, like name your favorite alien Green Lantern. They might show up. I'm just I don't know. I'm just ready to be excited about a mainline Green Lantern book again. And yeah, future state, the main future state story storyline wasn't great because they chose to just show us a generic like sci fi battle. But I don't know. Let's, I'm willing to give him a few issues of actual the actual story to prove that he can or can't do it. I mean, I I am too. It's just for me for me my problem with it is is uh is the art the art change up that we're gonna get. Dexter Soy is just such an incredible talent, especially with what we saw in uh, the second Future State Green Lantern issue that I'm really I was really excited that he was going to be on issue one and two and then what it turns out with three we're just going right back to Tom Rainey now that again that's personal art preference so I guess it's neither here nor there but uh, for some people but for me it's just the it, it puts some wind in my sails to know that Dexter Soy would be the series artist um, on this new series that we'd be getting and then they said no oh that's only for two issues we're going right back to Tom Rainey so now I have to be, I already know going in, I'm not going to enjoy the art. So I'm going to have to rely on the story. And from the solicits, it's another, the battery is dead slash destroyed thing, which we've gotten how many times at this point? So I don't know. We can only hope. It's all we can do, man. Yeah. At this point, I'm, I'm placing my faith uh, of fun Green Lantern stories on infinite frontier or the pride special or the Asian special that was supposed to, I think is supposed to have a Thai fam story. Yep. Um, things like that. So that that's where I'm placing my hopes for fun stories. There's other stuff green lantern related, by, by the way, um, uh, the, the Superman, uh, uh, action comics annual. Yeah. Action action comics, 2021 annual will continue the house of L story. Yep. Same creative team, too. So we're getting more of a Rowan Rowan Kent, the Kryptonian Blue Lantern. Yep. And uh, Thander and and the others. So uh, it's it's an annual. So it'll be a a bigger issue. So we'll get a chance to kind of flesh out that world a little more and spend some more time with those characters and hopefully more time with the Blue Lantern, though the solicit seems to focus on Thander. So, yeah, but I mean, she she absolutely wasn't the main character of that of uh, that future stay issue either. And we still got some good stuff from her in there. Sure. I mean, June specifically has so much lantern stuff coming. We got 
Green Lantern number three, obviously, Far Sector's final issue. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when the Action Comics annual is. Um, DC Pride is going to have a Allen and Obsidian story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Infinite Frontier Secret Files is going to have material about Jade and Obsidian. Infinite Frontier number one is going to have Jade, Obsidian, and Allen in a story that, like, we it's already been teased that Allen is going to be going around trying to put the JSA back together. And I think there's something else I'm forgetting, but like, there was like, just, there's just are like, you, oh. are you not, are you not just straight up reading my tweets? Come on, man. Uh, the, the, uh, the other one you're thinking about is crime syndicate issue three or four. Four. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The one that's going to give the, uh, the origin of the Emerald Knight who thank God they stopped calling him power ring. <laughs> So, uh, and that one has a cool, uh, I think that was a, yeah, a, a Carrie, uh, Carrie Randolph cover variant cover. So that's the, that's the earth three John Stewart, basically Mark. Mm-hmm. Oh, and for those of you who read this issue, uh, they also solicited the, uh, the hardcover, uh, of the final issues of season two of green lantern. Oh, and also I think the same month they're, um, they're putting out a collect, a print collection of, and Injustice Year Zero, which was I think just digital up to now, and is is actually a really good JSA JLA story. And there's a there Alan Scott has a lot of really good, really impo- impactful scenes in there. And if you're like, oh man, Injustice, I know the the tone of those. Like it's it's not one of those. I was really surprised with what they did with this story. So if you like the JSA and you like seeing them cross over with the Justice League, read that. Yeah. Cool. Any other pearls or wisdom on Grant Morrison? I wonder what Grant Morrison does next, because this is just this isn't like an exit from comics. It's just supposedly the end of working with DC, right? I that's what the rumor is, yes. Yeah. Well, we'll see. All right. Well, before we wrap up the episode, Dan, I think it's time, man, you should uh, elaborate on your YouTube channel, man. We've talked about it here and there, Mark and I, on the past um, when we're when we're discussing things. I think we most recently mentioned it, what, on the House of Al uh, episode, Mark? I think so, yes. And thank you for that. And there, you, you're talking, of course, of Mosaic Comics, which can be found <laughs> at YouTube.com. Just search Mosaic Comics. <laughs> It's got this like cool. I just got like a cool avatar of like a Green Lantern symbol that's broken up into like a bunch of a billion different multicolored pieces because of because mo- it's a mosaic. You see, uh, it's it's basically it's a a place for me to put analytical video essays about Green Lantern where I overthink everything and try to have fun with it. Like you know you want to you want like like silly topics like hey here's the complete history of every version of batman to ever wear a power ring in all forms of media or you know what's another weird one oh here's here's me trying to make sense of the the history and continuity of ion even though they they retcon what ion is every few years and sometimes every few months <laughs> or, you know, I'll get serious sometimes and talk about like, what are the implications of in 2020 portraying green lanterns as law enforcement while also celebrating them as superheroes and tracking like the history of like, Hey, what, why exactly did they decide to initially 
reimagine Alan Scott as gay in the new 52 and how did they handle it after they had it? You know, all sorts of, all sorts of stuff like that. Like I have fun doing it. I seemed, I think other people seem to have fun watching it and hopefully you will too. Go over there, watch a few things, leave some comments, tell some friends. That's mosaic comics. I'm just looking at some of them. It's interesting. The viewer count you get on some of these because you know, maybe average six to 400, some 300 something views, but then every now and then 16 K views or whatever. Yeah. It's weird to, cause you can sort by what's most popular. Mm-hmm. And I, apparently people love it. When I talk about the gold lantern, those yep. are my two most popular. And then like way at the bottom is, is the Jessica Cruz Halloween episode, which I really liked, but nobody else did, apparently. <laughs> Didn't you have more content on here? I think I tweeted you about this. You, did you remove some stuff? I did not remove anything. There was, like, there was one thing I was going to make, but I ended up not making, because it was kind of like a best of 2020 kind of thing, and I felt like kind of... It didn't feel right to talk about how cool 2020 was. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, unless something I let me, I can actually check. I don't think anything got uh, blocked anywhere. Yeah, I think uh, I think his favorite title is something something is a confusing mess. Oh, that's a series at this point. <laughs> uh, those are my fa- those are my favorites to make. Or I just like okay, what's the complete history of the White Lantern? Let me read all of it and then talk about how it doesn't make any sense at all. And what's weird is, so far, it's just been a series about Kyle Rayner. Because, like, the White Lantern is a confusing mess. Ion doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm, I'm, I promise I'm going to talk about someone else in the next one. You know what I've been rereading recently? I've been rereading all of, uh, all of the new Krypton stuff. Oh, yeah? I've been rereading all that. And it makes me think, like, uh, I'm not trying to give you content ideas. It's just, like, but I think something that's really cool is lanterns when we see them in other books when they're doing things that you would expect lanterns to do like so for instance for those of you because i think new krypton 2009 is when that happened and then finally wrapped up i think war of the superman or rather um superman 700 uh in 2010 or 11 um by the time all that was done um it's just like at one point, so the bottle city of Kandor is restored. There are a hundred thousand Kryptonians on earth. Uh, Allura is a bitch uh, and uh, outright just, I, I, I can't describe my hatred for this character. Um, and at some point grabs all the Kryptonians, uses some of Brainiac's tech and Kryptonian tech to lift Kandor off of the Arctic circle and then use their technology to create a planet underneath the foundations of the new Kandor. And uh, anyways, there's a planet on the other side of the sun uh, uh, on the other side of the sun in the same uh, orbit as earth. Right. And then a moment in a moment, that's when uh, that that's when uh, the guardians decide to become involved because there's a new planet in sector two, eight, one, four full of super powered a hundred thousand super powered Kryptonians. So of course we need to send emissaries to to New Krypton to figure out what the hell's going on. So like just those little moments where uh, where Green Lantern becomes involved, where like you would think their concept needs to be, but it's not necessarily in the Green Lantern title. I always thought that was 
those are some of the best moments uh, that I think Green Lantern has is when they're just doing what Green Lanterns do in other titles. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember during the early uh, the early Bendis Superman run, this alien just shows up on Earth and starts like just starts wrecking stuff. And this he's like a Superman caliber caliber threat. And Hal Jordan shows up because why wouldn't he? Because an alien as powerful as Superman just came to earth, like stuff like that. And like when that, that alien sees a green lantern, he like, he's like, all right, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch. Uh, I, I I know I'm subscribed, but I'm going to have to, I haven't watched more humans. Why, why earth needs so many green lanterns. I'm gonna have to watch that one because if I remember right, they told us they were going to at some point explain in story why earth has so many human lanterns but they never actually gave us the real explanation like it was yeah, one I, that we were promised we'd get at some point but we never got i don't think we did i mean they they did very like like offhandedly say, say like oh earth is the most one of the most emotionally diverse planets in the universe of course so many rings it's, go there or it's something also like, that. like the keystone of the multiverse or something right yeah, well, I mean, like, like I, in, I, I won't spoil the video, but the, I, I look at it as like, okay, here is, here is why this makes sense in store in universe, and here's why it makes sense in the real world, and, I mean, I know a lot of people find it annoying, but I think, I think in both regards, having an abundance of human Green Lanterns is necessary. He's got 24 videos on his channel right now, so guys, go check those out um they're all i don't know 15 minutes or so they can't they can't for the most part on average there's there's some times where it goes longer depending on the topic but on average i'd say maybe 15 minutes or so of your time yeah there is one that's 42 minutes but that's because i i go into every single lantern from earth so far for sure and i'm already compiling a list for a a part two (laughs) (laughs) the sequel (laughs) yeah All right. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? Today? No, I don't uh, think so. Yeah. Sorry, guys, if this felt like a downer episode or something. It's just we needed to wrap this up. And, uh, you know, this is why we brought on Dan. <laughs> because if it was just me and Mark, uh, I think it might have just been uh, more negative than it ended up being. <laughs> yeah. So if you want if you want fun, happy Green Lantern content, go to Mosaic Comics at YouTube.com. <laughs> Lantern cast ain't gonna give it to you. That's what he's saying. And uh, Ray of Sunshine Kurtzky. <laughs> oh man, I think I need to watch your your. I don't think I've watched the Golden Lantern episodes either. I'm gonna have to watch those because I everyone I, I have the episode the issues. I haven't read them yet. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it kind of sucks that like that first Gold Lantern ep- uh, uh video was my most popular one because that. I made that the day the first appearance came out when there was very little information at all. And I mean, it's it, the title was accurate at the time. It, this was everything we know about the gold lantern. And then, but then like the next one is like five months later and we, we know and can infer it a lot more, but yeah. Yeah. Gold lantern, gold lantern is cool. Read Legion, everybody. <laughs> all right. Uh, Mark, do you want to tell people how they can reach us? Yes, I think I will do that. And our Hot Topic Black Hands are starting to ship, Chet. 
Oh yeah, they are. Uh, my Carnage, my Carnage uh, that was released uh, for pre-order on the same day shipped the other day, so I was expecting Black Hand to come out pretty soon. Yep, he's. I got my shipping notice during as I, we were recording. I mean, my, I I know it's stupid of me to ask you, given how much I keep an eye on these things. But have you heard anything about either the supposed Black Lantern Wonder Woman or the White Lantern pop? Because I haven't. Not me. Yeah, I haven't heard anything yet. Yeah. Uh, so lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast to track us down there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We're on all of those. So whichever platform or platforms you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, 708 Lantern is the voicemail. So please leave us either a voicemail or a text if you feel free or if you desire to. And I think that's it for tonight and Snyder Cut next week, which <laughs> which which you want to come on for Snyder Cut then? <laughs> no, but, no, no. But at the, at, at the very least, it won't. It's an episode, another episode that won't make Chad happy, but at least he'll be passionate. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some talk happening in the I. Yeah, whatever. I, I'm not going to get into it, uh, but yeah. Uh, so basically, yeah, uh, Snyder Cut next time. We'll talk about that and then sort of the precedent that sets. I have been look. I'm looking right now online at the comics that are coming out over the next several weeks. Guys, this week, which is Wednesday, would be the 24th, and next week, which would be Wednesday the 31st. Neither of those weeks have Green Lantern related content hitting, so we have a bit of a reprieve of new stuff hitting until uh, the week of April 7th, which is when we'll see Far Sector number 11, uh, <laughs> Crime Syndicate number two, which does uh, already have the uh, the Dan, what was his the Emerald Knight? Emerald Knight. Yeah, uh, and then also that's the 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 week that the Green Lantern number one comes out with uh, the first issue of Jeffrey Thorne's run. So um, we get two weeks off of green new Green Lantern content, and then we get smacked in the face with three different issues uh, that have lanterns uh, in some way, shape, or form showing up. So and that's the week of my birthday, actually, April sixth. So yay. But I'm more, I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I'm a bit more excited about things like the silver coin number one from Image or Venom 34, King and Black number five, things like that. So. Have you have you done a King and Black episode of this show yet? And if not, why? <laughs> no, uh, there's no point. Mark's not reading it. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? When it, King is King and Black almost over? Uh, it will be over, I think, the week of this, the first week of April. I've, all right, I've been waiting. I'm I'm gonna read it and then we can talk about it. Well, actually, hold on. I'm looking at it. it looks like Fantastic Four number thirty, which is King and Black, labeled as the four, week of the fourteenth. So yeah, some more tie-ins. Are you reading just the main series? Or are you reading the whole thing? I have made no decisions yet. I haven't read anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. It looks like yeah. So in the twenty first, uh, the Avengers forty five is King and Black labeled. Uh, I'm not seeing anything for the week of the twenty eighth. So yeah, I guess end of end of April. It should by the end of April it should be over. But no, it's well over like forty something issues or something like that. Oh no, then I'm definitely not reading all of it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. All the tie-ins is like forty something issues. I haven't bought a series consistently since. Okay, so I, I got all Blackest Night, I got all of New Krypton, and I got all of Spider Verse. Those. That's the last time I the the first Spider Verse. That's the last time I picked up 
all of the tie-ins of any series in physical floppy issues. And I only skipped maybe three three issues from uh, Death Metal. That's fair. No, the, there's a lot of stuff going on. I don't like the thing I don't like about King and Black. Uh, <laughs> the thing I don't like about King and Black uh, is it doesn't read as consistently as those other series do. Like with New Krypton, there was like a uh, there was like a reading order, and if you read it issue to issue based on the shield numbers, it made sense. Same with Blackest Night in a way. Same with Spider Verse. King and Black just feels like all over the map. So I would I honestly I wouldn't recommend reading it all anyways if uh, if you're not interested in certain pieces of it. But Mark doesn't yeah. care about any of this apparently. <laughs> Oh, he'll care. He'll care when you make him edit that episode. <laughs> I care about editing this episode, which is getting going to probably be like close to two hours the way it's going. <laughs> it's you time know, to say goodnight, boys. You know, you know, Black Hand would work at Hot Topic. That makes sense. That's good. That's good brand synergy. <laughs> I mean, actually, those uh, all those Funko Pops are supposed to be Hot Topic exclusives. The 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 new Lantern line in terms of the multicolors and things like that. I think those are all supposed to be Hot Topic exclusives. Just FYI. Yeah, Jim showed me some picture of <laughs> like John Stewart in like a samurai Shogun armor or something. Yes, yes, that that one. I don't know if that's Hot Topic exclusive. I, sh- I showed Mark that too. He, I think you you thought it was cool, right, Mark? The I did samurai think it, I did think it was cool. Yeah, I forgot what its actual name is, but there is a John's like uh, uh, Asian sort of armor samurai, like like Dan said, samurai sort of thing. Mark, tell us more about this this Funko Pop for another thirty <laughs> minutes. You mean another four minutes and thirty seconds? Because <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if we have to go to another call, I ain't. So let's wrap this sucker up. <laughs> you can come on anytime you want, Dan. We'll do it. We'll talk again. Actually, if you wanted, if you, you, if you had been, home, but you can't stay here. Yes, if you had been interested in the Snyder Cut, I would have, you would have been more than welcome. How about Congress in Godzilla? And any interest? I mean, I want to see that, but I'm, I'm, I don't know when I'll see that. Oh, so you don't have HBO Max? I, no. Oh, is that movie going straight to HBO Max? Yes. Be. Oh God. Yes. Are the other? Because I've only seen the uh, that first. Godzilla movie are all of is all yeah, that stuff on they're, there? They're all they're all yeah. on HBO Max. Yes. Hmm. Yep. Are you guys gonna make me borrow somebody's HBO Max? You might be. Tell you what, if I'm if I if I happen to fall into a depressing Snyder hole before before you record, I'll jump on with you guys and talk about the Snyder Cut. Sounds we fair will, enough. We will be talking about the hole that is the Snyder Cut. Okay. All right, guys. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Good night, everybody. Bye. Good night. You ignorant slut.